Yeah. Welcome, welcome again to an all new episode of Full Court Press Podcast. I am joined by our awesome cast, plus apparently a returning, um, a returning person. Uh, he's still a free agent. We haven't signed him to a new contract. I don't even know why he decided to crash this meeting. Um, he just he just hopped on the team bus somehow. Um, but let it's you know who it is, Prince, a man of many hats, man of many talents, jack of all trades. I'm joined by my friend Brooklyn Bari. Joined Hello. by my my fellow Celtics fan Brian. How are you guys doing today? It's been an interesting uh, week of sports, but I guarantee you there's been, there were some good NBA games too. Don't let the NFL overshadow you. The cover zero tell you. There's other sports involved here. <laughs> all right, all right. That's fire. All right, Barry, how you doing? Good. <laughs> I, I'm chilling. I can't, I can't complain. I mean, I'm ready to talk hoops. I'm ready to, to, to recap some of what's been going on lately. Uh, <laughs> we've been talking a lot of football lately. It's been exciting, but there's still a lot of good things to talk about with hoop. So let's get into it. But and I mean, yeah, I'll just all right. Well, you're not gonna play me. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> the alpha African is in the building. Oh, are you trying to play me, Abe? Yeah. So listen, I may be the 10 day contract MVP, but I'm on this 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 two way for the rest of the season. It's okay, Abe. It's okay. Call me Taco Bowl. Taco Bowl. Taco Bowl. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you heard, the the um the stowaway is here. Um, that being said, yes. So, uh, uh, something was alluded to by both Brian and Jabari. Shout out to the guys that cover Zero Podcast. I am neutral in this in this fight, but some shots were fired. Check out their episodes. The shots were fire. And it was how nobody should ever say again, NBA is better than NFL. Gentlemen. I agree with that also. Yeah. Oh, oh well, Brian chose his side. Brian, Brian. Said, NFL, yeah, let me, NFL t- let me just make my, let me just make my one Barry, how you rebuttal. feel? How you feel, Barry? My one minute rebuttal <laughs> here, though. In the early, in the early regular season, especially this part, like until the all-star break, the NFL can have their glory. And plus, I mean, the NFL ratings, I mean, come on, the ratings are king. Sunday Night Football is the most watched broadcast in America over the last, what, 45, 50 years. So that's that's just my rebuttal there. I mean, no doubt about it. But I mean, I've always been a fan of many sports, so I can always jump around. So if I just get kind of like sick of one league or one sport, I can always just jump around. I mean, I have my beefs with the NFL. I know my internal, you know, rot, and it, it's more than just the Kaepernick. It's more than that, but it's just like I just don't like the NFL. I'm more of a college football guy, personally. So no. I've always preferred college football over the NFL. So I mean, that's that. But I mean, as I listen, said, like, listen, you can't. listen, I, I I'm the same as Brian. Like, I, I I love sports in general. Like, sports is is my passion. The NFL NBA debate. I'm in full like awareness of like the numbers like i know nfl is king primarily in america the nfl is america's sport you know what i'm saying and from from the months of when the nfl begins to the super bowl time there's no it's no real competing with 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 the sport it's hard to argue with <laughs> with fans of the nfl when you have games like you've been seeing 
this past weekend. So my thing is, though, like basketball is my favorite sport. Nothing's really going to change that. Like if I have to pick a favorite, favorite sport, basketball is my favorite sport. And I always go back to, in my opinion, at least, like I feel like the players, like they, they, they get a better deal out of things dealing with the NBA as opposed to the NFL. I think playing basketball, if you have the talent, you know, because a lot of kids are playing multiple sports, if you have the talents to play multiple sports and you have to make a decision, I'd always advise you play basketball over over football, you know, unless you're a quarterback and you're white. It's always, in my opinion, been for my people. And growing up, like I just I've always been inspired by basketball players. It's it I, I find more icons that I can you know, when I was younger, I could look up to in, in the NBA. So it's not real. It's not real, like, bash the NFL thing. I love football. Football is extremely entertaining. I don't know. I just like seeing my people win. And we feature predominantly, like, in football and basketball, we're, like, 70% of the league. I know in, in basketball, we're over 70% of the league. And in football, it, it's close to that number as well. So it's it's two sports that heavily feature people that look like me so I'm into the fun like back and forth jabs and stuff like that but you know what I'm saying like as long as both sports are winning and then both sports are on the up and up I have no real complaint so my last thing I'll end it off on is I've always enjoyed like how basketball tries to have a an approach globally it doesn't always pan out but they they make their attempts with games in China um I think they played in Africa a few times um they played in England a few times and you know, like these, a lot of countries like the sport and globally, like basketball is a, is a world sport, you know what I'm saying? So I'll leave it off with that. So basically cover zero, what um, Bari is saying, I'll translate is that, look, y'all can have this uh, crown in the United States, but we, we own the world. Uh, that being said, you know, you guys said after soccer, of, <laughs> after soccer, yes, after soccer, um, that means, like I said, I have no dog in the fight. I'm, I'm neutral. I'm so, so. That being said, yes, we did have a few exciting games this weekend, and we're going to start off with the Jazz versus Warriors, which occurred Sunday night. Gentlemen, in my personal opinion, I would love to see a seven-game postseason series because the way this game was going, the back and forth was just really entertaining. I mean, Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, they were cooking. Belicia was finding everybody (laughs) when necessary. Uh, Gary Payton, yo, the Glove Jr. is showing, is representing his family name well. And on the flip side, I mean, Bogdanovich, Mitchell, Conley, Clarkson, they were really doing their thing. Um, I, I caught the highlights because Sunday was just, you know, shout out to the Rams for stressing me the hell out. My heart, like, didn't stop racing until literally, like, I don't know, today, I guess. Oh, son, I'm going to start with you um, so you can validate your uh, your two-way contract, apparently, that you were given without any of our um, knowledge. What was your take on this Jazz Warriors game? Yes, the final score, 94-92. But I think it's that final score is also indicative of some of the context coming into the game. Uh, we have to remember Clay Thompson was a scratch uh, with a sore knee. So you're not going to get... Clay Thompson in the game automatically that's going to be something different, uh, different, different flavor to the game. Uh, in a seven game series as well, you're not going to have Steph Curry putting up 13 points a night. Uh, <laughs> Steph had 13 points on five for 20 shooting, including one for 13 from three. 
Uh, some folks say he might be in a little bit of a shooting slump because the prior game against the, the Rockets was also a close game in which Steph shot, I think, six for 21, including four for 13 from three. So this goes back to, I think, a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago around, well, is Steph more valuable in those games? Is, is Steph uh, more valuable to the team in moments where maybe a shooting isn't on, but he's able to contribute in other ways? Or is he more um, valuable in a scoring? And a game like this proves he's more valuable putting the ball in the bucket. Even, even in that, uh, that Rockets game, he had his first buzzer beater game winner of his career. Like, think about that. Steph Curry's been in the league, at, what, I think 13 seasons now, and that's his first buzzer beater for a win. Crazy. Uh, in a seven-game series, I think if if I'd have to play it out, both all things being equal, both sides being healthy, I give I give it to the the Warriors in five, maybe six. I really don't. Even from a matchup perspective, I don't see the Jazz being able to outshoot the Warriors unless Steph decides to go uh, to shoot twenty percent every night and Clay decides to do the same. I don't see the the Jazz as being able to hang like that. And shout out to Pat Beverly. No, not Pat Beverly. Anthony Edwards for his comments earlier this season about Rudy Gobert, saying that he doesn't feel like Rudy is the most intimidating in terms of rim protectors in the league. I think that holds true. Rudy Gobert, Stifle Tower or not, I do feel to a degree the man's little soft I'm not looking at Rudy Gobert Rudy Gobert's not striking fear in the hearts of players like a Dikembe Mutombo like you knew okay I might might try to get down the lane but you know what it's probably my best bet just to not even try it because I know Dikembe's gonna come out of nowhere and the last thing you want is that finger in your face wagging Rudy Gobert you you go down the lane and the vision you have in your head is of Rudy Gobert crying after he found out he didn't make the all-star team like there's levels to this there's levels to this just to parlay off of what Osa was just saying, I mean, it, it was a close game. It, I mean, it looked close. It was a game of runs. And Utah was riding a 17 to 11 run going, you know, into the fourth quarter. So it did appear more close than it was. But I agree with Osa's assessment on how a potential playoff series would, would result between these two teams, except for I think Golden State would – I think they'd get them out easier than that. Look, Utah has a problem with scoring the ball. Outside of Donovan Mitchell, they don't really score the ball all too well. They rely on like players like Bogdanovich and, and Joe Ingles to put the ball in the hoop. And when one of them or both of them are off, what do you have going on? Because Rudy Gobert, even during his best game, he's not going to be that aggressive and he's not scoring the ball that much. And Another thing I want to address, too, is Royce O'Neal as a starter. Like, I know he's a utility guy. I know he's a guy that can play multiple division, um, sorry, positions, and he starts at the power forward, but he can guard, you know, pr- probably one through four and some fives. Offensively, he's, he's terrible. <laughs> Royce O'Neal is not a polished offensive player. He was zero for four last night. But there's been plenty of games, and I've had this guy on and off in fantasy this year, last year. There's been plenty of games where he put up a, a zero-point game with a couple of rebounds and and a couple of assists or two-point game, four-point game. This isn't like a out of the norm thing for 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 him to have. So for a team that has aspirations on winning a chip, I just don't see I, it's starting to get smaller and smaller as all of these other teams are getting better and better. 
all of, all of these rookies that entered the league um, last year, year before, they're getting more comfortable with how NBA play is. Um, it doesn't look too good to for Utah to me. It doesn't look too good for them to me. Another thing is I don't understand playing Rudy Gay 18 minutes, only 18 minutes in a game where Rudy Gobert's complaining of soreness in a game where Rudy Gay <laughs> plays a big for them. He plays five and four for them, right? Whiteside's not playing. Um, they didn't play Udoka, and Rudy's complaining of injury. I don't see why you only play Gay 18 minutes. And, and in those 18 minutes, he's five of eight for 62%, four for six from three, mixing a, a few rebounds and a block and no turnovers like I don't know what more they want from this guy like it, it's 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 bewildering to me but just to go back to a, a bigger scheme of things before I send it off people like to question like is Steph Curry slumping is this something we should be more alert about like is this a real slump are we overreacting? I had a Golden State fan tell me this morning that then the the numbers he's shooting right now is like normal for certain other players so to say he's slumping is overreacting. I'll say for sure he's slumping, and here's why. If you look at his six worst shooting performances of his career, one comes in 2010, and every other performance comes this year. So, I mean, if that's not a slump, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You got four for 21 this season, five for 24 this season, five for 21 this season, seven for 28 this season, five for 20 this season. That was yesterday. What was that? One for 13, like Osa said, from three. That's a slump. And it's not something to be mad at him about, but it's something to make everyone realize that the guy that we've been calling superhuman because of his range and because of uh, what he can do and what he's been doing all these years, he's human like the rest of us. So, yeah, he's something. But Golden State's in great position while he's slumping. So that's scary. Are we, before uh, before I let you go, Brian, a question for all of you, and Brian, you actually start this one off. This slump that we're seeing, is it just wear and tear? Is, is it wear and tear finally getting to him? Because when we look at his performance last season, the only reason the Warriors were any type of relevant was because of Steph Curry. Because we know Kelly Oubre didn't help out. We know Wiggins wasn't as consistent. Are we finally seeing wear and tear from who is arguably the greatest shooter of all time? I, I think, honestly, when you play about – I mean, he played about, what, 96 to 100 games a year for about six years straight. So, I mean, that'll wear a tear on you. Then you play in the Olympics. Was He on? The, he was on that Olympic team a couple of years ago, too. And I would say this is the same with Tatum, too. I think it's like you play so much basketball, and eventually you get, you get worn down. And I think after a while, maybe in the All-Star break, he'll get like two or three days to just kind of like unwind and then like stress-free. Maybe it's just the stress, too. Maybe having Clay come back was a little bit of relief because he played better when Clay came back. But um, one to thirteen or three, it's concerning. But I mean, again, he's a shooter. He's gonna he's gonna find his way. Like, there's no there's no doubt about this. Is, I'm not even gonna address the matter, to be honest with you. I'm fully confident he'll get back. It's like you know, uh, great. Since we mentioned Cover Zero, we'll have another Cover Zero cross reference here. I mean, some quarterbacks have bad days. That don't mean they're bad quarterbacks. I mean, if they start playing bad all the time, then they're bad quarterbacks. But I mean, that's different. So if Curry's still putting up points and and six guys are in double figures for the Warriors. That's, that's about as much as you can ask for, honestly, yeah. just the threat of Steph Curry is enough. He can be a decoy. And once Clay comes back, he's going to be a decoy too. Let Wiggins and Poole shine. Let those dudes get paid. Hey, it is what it is. They can go old 98 jazz style and they're probably still better than the 98 jazz. 
just let the role players, you know, do the grunt work and then Malone puts it away. That's that's not a bad that's not a bad game plan. Curry could be Carl Malone. That's not a bad idea. And he was an MVP too, by the way. They need to get him down to 30 minutes a night by March. That's Absolutely. that's imperative. And, yeah. and see if Jordan Poole can and Gary Payton can figure out how to facilitate the point with the with right. the first unit. And that to right. me, I think is going to be the next challenge for Steve Kerr, coaching wise. And I, I think Steve Kerr can put him in that position. Uh, Gary Payton, a lot of people, especially his teammates, have said he's the biggest small player that they've ever played or ever seen in their lives because he's 6'3", 6'4", but he right. plays like he's you know a power forward. Uh, but I think to add on top of the 100-plus games that Curry's playing, was playing every season, then you throw in, what was that? It's been three seasons since KD left. In those seasons, you've had Curry get injured. You've mm-hmm. had Clay out two of those seasons and so curry's had to dream on missing 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 time time. and then let's take let's not forget as well the style of play that curry has it is constant motion like he's not like a and i know folks give lebron a lot of credit for his durability but for someone his size like lebron could take plays off and then even for much of his career playing in the east he was able to coast uh for a good amount of time until like the last couple of you know, months of the season and then turn it on and do what you got to do. When you're playing on a team like the Warriors, everybody's gunning for your head every night. And then that constant motion offense that they run, that's a lot of wear and tear on your legs. And I mean, you need your legs to shoot as well. So this is a slump. Yes. Is it cause for concern? I don't think so. We, they just need to, to put Steph on a minutes restriction of some sort. And let's always remember, like I mentioned earlier in this conversation, like context is key. Having a Clay Thompson back relieves a lot of that scoring load. Remember in the playoffs, in those great runs, in that run that they made from like 2014 to, to 20, you know, 19, 2020, yeah. when, when, when Steph was off in the playoffs, it was Clay time. Clay's the reason why they won a game seven against Oklahoma City. Clay's the reason why a lot of these clutch games, they were winning. Not to say Steph is an all time great player, but Clay's a killer when it comes down to it. So when your killer, your road dog, your sidekick is out of the picture, yeah, that's a weight to carry. And Steph carries it, but it eventually catches up to you. So I definitely think he needs to be on some sort of minutes restriction. Is this slump something to be worried about? No, not at all. He's a volume shooter anyway. I mean, let's look at it this way for the Warriors, right? I would take Wiseman over Azili. I would take Wiggins over Barnes. And Jordan Poole over an older Livingston. Now, if I were to get old Milwaukee Livingston, that's a different story. But oh, that's, facts. That's, uh, or old Clippers uh, Livingston, that's there a different you go, story. Yeah. But that wasn't happening. So basically, those three role players are better than the guys they had on that peak team. The only difference is they don't have Kevin Durant, which, I mean, to be honest with you, that's not necessarily what they're missing. What they're missing is just a collection of, of guys who can do different things and defend. Yeah, the others. Yeah. yeah. Mind you, we just... Brian, you and I just said what we had to say and didn't even mention Andrew Wiggins. Like, Andrew Wiggins is still a threat. Like, right. the man is still that a threat. Dude, in, that dude could put up 20 voting. a night. Any given night, he could put up 20. Walking and, and not yeah. even realizing. So, Wiggins is a fringe all-star this year. Golden State is scary. I fully agree, you know, with what Brian's just now about taking the players that, that are currently on the squad over – who they had success with in the past. I think Steve Kerr as a coach is, is a mastermind. I think he's underrated. His, his offense is obviously Steph, the main reason why this system is what they are, but Steve Kerr's 
system is, is really underrated. When you look at the things he's taken from Pop, the things he's taken from Phil, to mix in with, with the strengths of his guys, it's just like you guys said, once they figure out like who's going to distribute on a second, like on a bench level, because it's not really like they're looking for the person to do what Steph does. They're looking for the person to do kind of what Draymond does, offensively exactly. at least. You know they what I mean? They got plenty of guys. They got plenty of guys who can score. That's mm-hmm. not their issue. They could put up 120 at night if they really had to. I honestly like Golden State healthy against any any West Coast team. I mean, let's look at the playoff matchups they could have. A Denver team where Jamal Murray, even if he comes back, is unhealthy, right? Minnesota's that would be a fun series because that's kind of like a coming of age uh, episode, if you will. Uh, the Lakers, I mean, I, I, I'm not even no, no. Uh, the Clippers, uh, if Don't they even if the Clippers even like have a team at that point, we'll see. But that's and the thing, Brian. But before you even that's before it. you even go to the rest of the teams, like Golden State's main weakness is something. At least if you're looking at West Coast teams, is something that only a few teams have, which is a, a, a dominating big, like a great five, because they're they they run small bigs. They only have one, you know, sense that you can I guess call traditional, and to take advantage of that defense. If you know if you're not taking advantage of like Curry or anything like that, like you take advantage of their their post presence, their their lack of rim protection at times. And teams that have that, even though the Lakers are terrible, they have inside presence, and that's what that's why they were you know projected to be sorry about that projected to be a team that. It, you know, could make a run before, you know, everything else happened because they have Anthony Davis still. They have LeBron who, you know, some may say he's overrated. Some he may stay, you may say stat pattern or whatever, but he's still driving at a rate where he can get buckets. So now I'm not trying to put the Lakers in any kind of position here, right, but, right. but when you're looking at the West coast, like if Minnesota doesn't step up, which I think, now's about as great as opportunities you have to step up and, and, and be a better team. The only other dominating big outside of cat and AD is who Gobert? What is, what is I, Gobert going to do? I mean, like Gobert would have to have a, a historically great series for even himself offensively to beat golden state. And it, it's just, I don't, it, it bewilders me how these teams don't look at the strongest I mean, I think team Nurkic, in their coast. I think and, Nurkic and, would give, uh, the Warriors some pains. War- Nurkic can have his game. Listen, Everyone's listen. As a Nurkic owner in fantasy, currently, I he's been great. He's been great right. this month specifically, but he's like inconsistent. Very. And very. I think I think in a more defined role, he's been great because CJ just came back, so CJ's like has a minute restriction. Dame's out, um. So it's Nurkic and a bunch of young guys. So these young guys can ball out, but they got to pass Big Nurkic the ball so he could you know, get some buckets. And he's not like a ball hog. So all you got to do is get a little double-double here and there. So I think right. he can be effective against um, Golden State as well, um, especially with Never Draymond Green. Never forget that Nurk and Jokic were once on the same team together. That's true. Uh, that was ages ago, too. Bye. Yeah. Bye. At that time, they had a three-man center. Aren't, didn't they have um, Nurk? Joker well, they kind of they had Kenneth Fareed who kind of played center basically. Yeah, so. no, 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 no. I'm not even talking about Fareed. There like, is they, no, had, there they is had another no. center on the bench. We'll get back to that, but yeah. y'all, y'all see how I feel about Golden State. I think the sky's the limit for them, and it's great because like we see what all these miles and and all these long runs have done to Steph Curry. You know, for him having these little slumps here and there, whatever, or Clay Thompson being out two years, like. They're not afforded the luxury of just waiting and, and, and seeing how things play out over and over. They got to strike now. 
And to me, they're they're in top position to strike. And even like I said, with actually with Bryson, uh, when we talked about uh, with him a couple weeks ago about James Harden, like those dudes played a ton of minutes carrying teams for about four, five, six, seven, eight years. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna have its toll. Now, eventually, guys ease in; they get confident in a new environment. There's the jitters of that too. Don't get me wrong. Now with Curry, like I, I just I just don't have I, I don't have any worries about those guys getting back on their game. It's just a matter of time. Sometimes they drink water one day and they go. Ooh, that 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 kind of feels nice, and then they get back on their mojo. It's weird. It's like some Austin Powers shit. But that's what I'm hoping. That's what's going to happen to Curry. He's just going to get his mojo back, and everyone's going to be like, "Oh, life is life is groovy again." So, uh, so let's head over to the Eastern Conference a little bit. Um, it's a question that we discussed uh, somewhat last week with uh, Brian and uh, with Pierre, but we'll we'll dive in further. Looking at the Eastern Conference. And the teams uh, currently who look like they'll definitely be making the postseason. Can we even fix our lips to say, like, yo, is the Eastern Conference the best conference this year? Is the Eastern Conference back to being consistent from top to bottom and not just top heavy like we are used to? What what are some of your thoughts? And I'll start it off with Osan. And then uh, we'll go to Brian and Jabari. Yeah, it's funny. I just had this conversation yesterday um, with a guy who's, I wouldn't even say a Golden State Warriors fan. He's a Stephen Curry fan. And those are the, some of the worst kind of fans because <laughs> they, just, they just talk reckless. I had to tell him recently, we're not going to talk basketball anymore, but I've given him grace of late. But he said this, he was looking at, he was looking at the uh, the conference standings and he was like, dude, I don't ever remember seeing the East looking like this. I said, yeah, the East hasn't looked like this since <laughs> since the 90s when the East was was crazy. I mean, you, if you remember the East in the 90s, every team had two to three all stars. Uh, and it, so that's why for for what Jordan and the Bulls did in that time. Crazy. That being said, it feels like the parody that we're used to seeing in the West over the past, I don't know, decade or so has like shifted over to the East where in the West, we knew like one or two seed, that was pretty much a locks year in and year out. But then when you get to like three through five, it's tight. And then six through like 10 is crazy. You're like, well, I don't know. I, I don't know who's going to take it. It's going to come down to the yeah, last like teams that picked like number one the year before. And all of a sudden they're like the eight seed in the East. Yeah, that's what would happen. It's yeah. wild. So now the East is in a place though where that's what the look is. And with that, I'm appreciating it because I'm glad to see to see the East looking like this. I'm tired of of for the game of basketball, I'm tired of folks crapping on the East. And I'll be honest, I was one of those people. And I think part of it was my uh my dislike for one LeBron Raymond James. But for the sake of the game of basketball necessary let's look at it now well I'm, I'm just i'm just looking at it right now uh the fifth seed is cleveland at 28 wins cleveland is at 28 wins boston is eighth with 24th with 24 wins you mean to tell me four wins separate the fifth through eighth seed right now it's tight washington is still in that race as well the eighth seed boston has 24 toronto at nine has 22 washington at 10 has 23 like the the parents it's it's there even even fifth 
the the difference between the fifth seed and the first seed. Miami's first right now with 30 wins thanks to their win against the Lakers last night. Cleveland's fifth with 28 wins. This level of parity right now, I'm not saying that these Eastern Conference teams are like just balling out of control, but they're looking mighty competitive. Even a Washington Wizards team on any given night could give anybody the business. And part of that is because of one Kyle Kuzma being added to that team who's currently looking like a double-double <laughs> yeah. machine. And I know Laker fans are out here salty right now wondering, where was this at when he was playing with us? Uh, we, we, If you want to know that answer, look back two or three episodes on this we podcast. We talked about this, yes. We covered that ad nauseum. So on to the next. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like when you look at the Eastern Conference, like I don't think having the number one seed is that much of an advantage this year, to be honest with you. Like, you're telling me you're going to get an eight seed that's going to be Charlotte, Boston, Toronto, Washington, or the New York Knicks. You have to go away to the Madison Square Garden. Those three away games are going to be more substantial than your four home games. If you're the Miami Heat or even I mean, actually the, Bull, the Bulls-Knicks would be a fun series in general because history needs to bring back a Bulls. We need a Bulls-Knicks playoff series. It's been way too freaking long. Uh, even Milwaukee, yeah. Milwaukee is a four seed. Are you kidding me? They just won the championship. A four seed. I mean, Cleveland's fun. You know, I've 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 had my fun watching the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. So I mean, it's just there's 12 teams in the East that can go for any of those eight spots. And I, I don't know. I, I think any of them could end up in the conference finals or the semifinals, depending on how hot they get. I mean, Atlanta, if Atlanta just figures it out, that's a scary team. They could go on a 15-game winning streak. Like they could turn into that Rockets team that was like 500 heading into February, and then they just won every game until April. Are you yeah. saying by figure it out, you mean trade John Collins? Listen, man, I, I they should trade John Collins to the Celtics. They could take Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, uh, just not Robert Williams, just not Al Horford, just not Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. You can have everybody just, else on the team. Just not anyone good. Yeah, take everybody else on the team, and Atlanta could figure it out. I, I think Grant Williams and Romeo Langford would be nice on that squad. Actually, not really. They wouldn't play. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say no, no, no. Grant might. It's just I, I don't know. Atlanta has too much talent to be below five hundred. And I mean the the Knicks, the Knicks are a young, going through the growing pains of like what a typical young team are, and that's fine. And they've been in a lot of close games too. I mean the Knicks could easily be twenty eight wins right now, depending on some of those games that went the other way. And I could say the same for Washington. I could say the same for Boston. If Boston actually played fourth quarters better, they would be number four and number five in the East right now. And Charlotte, I mean, Charlotte's been fun as hell. Charlotte's overachieving, but it's fun as hell. We're going for it. We're here for it. And Philadelphia, Joe Embiid has carried Philly, and they're still the sixth seed. Who wants to go to Philadelphia as a sixth seed? Ben Simmons don't even want to go to Philadelphia. He plays for them. No, that's always an away game for Ben. <laughs> well, he's throwing shots, shots, fire, shots, fire. But, Barry, yeah, what are your thoughts? Well, we have two two questions, and my answer is yes to both of them. I think the East is back, and I think the East is the better conference from top to bottom. Yeah, it's not a landslide or anything like that, and the West does have their advantages. I do think their contenders are more, like, I, I don't really know how to put it, but they, their contenders, like teams that are actually, that can make the finals, I think they have more experienced teams in, in that respect. Um, but if you look from top to bottom, if you just look at the race for the one seed right now, from, from the one seed to the six seed, 
or I should say seven seed actually, it's separated by just two to three games. Um, Miami's currently number one of 30 and 17. The Nets are right behind them with 29, 29 and 17. The Bulls right behind the Nets, 28 and 17. The Bucks are 30 and 19. Or also, you got to remember, certain teams have played more games than others due to rescheduling and such. But right under the Bulls, the Cavs are 28 and 19. The Sixers, 27 and 19. The, the, the Hornets, who have been really good lately, 26 and 21. And the Celtics, who, you know, they're starting to figure things out, 24 and 24 in the eighth seed. So if you look at the two seeds outside of the eighth seed, you have the Toronto Raptors, who are 22 and 22, just at 500. Um, obviously, they're not going to be anything anyone's scared of, but they've been touting a top defense this whole year. Nick Nurse is a great coach, um, one of the greatest coaches in the association, and he gets Siakam and nobodies to play and, and win games at times. Right. Under the Raptors, you have the Wizards, who, you know, also just spoke about them any given night. Um, Beal can get hot. Kuzma is a double-double machine this year. Trez has been trying. Um, Gafford, you know, was having a decent year. They just got Thomas Bryant back. They got Rui back not too long ago. So they're a little bit more deep. And they've been, in my opinion, struggling because certain players don't know exactly what their role is. But they're healthy now. So I think they're a threat at any given point. And is the plan what? Is the plan the four seats outside of eight? Or no, it's eight, I think it's seven, eight, nine, ten, right? Yeah, yeah so right outside, of, right outside right outside of the playing, you have two teams who are projected to, you know, be in this conversation. Like you have the Knicks in the eleventh seed and the Hawks in the twelfth seed. Um <laughs> which, you know, last Both year those are those are two playoff teams. Yeah. So that, that was the series last year. Mm-hmm. So um if you're looking at the bottom five of the Eastern Conference, that includes the Knicks and the Hawks, the Pacers, the Pistons, and the Magic. With the exception of maybe the Pistons, all of those bottom five teams can beat any top team, you know, on a, any given night. Um, it's more than likely not going to happen, but I've seen mm-hmm. the Magic take wins from good teams this year. I've seen the Hawks do it, and, yeah, the Knicks are a different story. But, yeah, I think, long story short, the East is back. It's it's fun watching the East be back. I think basketball is different when um, certain Eastern Conference teams are good. I'm not trying to, you know, shout out New York or whatever, but, you know, it, it's been great. Right. Just imagine MSG, Bulls, Knicks in the, in the first round, seventh, second round, whatever, just Bulls, Knicks. The, the, the throwbacks, you might, you might see those starter jackets come back around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's how 90s that shit is. We, yeah. That's all I'm saying. You might even have Pat Riley's ghost coach the Knicks. Hey, look, yeah. I've always said it. I've been saying it, you know, on the Austin 8 podcast. Also, is my witness. Yeah. Basketball is better when meaningful games are played in MSG. And the only way that happens is if the Knicks are good again. And the Knicks are are taking the necessary – they're in the right direction. I mean, they're kind of fumbling on their way there, but they're at least pointed in the right direction. But if we can I mean, imagine Knicks-Nets. Yeah, yo, bro. That would be – The whole state of New York. Brooklyn. I don't even (laughs) want to talk about it. I know what would happen. Kyrie can't play any one of those games. Not one. Not one. I would protest. It would be a war outside of the the Barclays Center. I ain't going to the city. Hey, you know what? I'm saying Brooklyn act up. This is where the Nets need to talk to the state of New Hampshire. And I'm sure New Hampshire will let them play there. And the Nets can change their home ground to New Hampshire. I'm sure Kyrie could play in New Hampshire. 
Bro, ain't nobody. Listen, Brian. I mean, listen, Brian. Oh. Brian, stop it. <laughs> anyway, I heard, I heard that whole thing is going out of effect. Um, the twenty eighth of either February or March. It has to be renewed, or you know, just not renewed. I, I, I'm more assuming it would be based on how COVID is affecting the state of New York at that time. So I'm just, you know, crossing my fingers that people aren't, you know, it isn't as much fatalities and things get better so we can have a more normalized situation. Because if you've been hearing Kyrie talk lately, if you watch any post-game interview, if they ask him any one question about a vaccine, like his mind has not changed. So <laughs> here's my only thing about that. And I have no problem with whatever your stance is. I think my issue with Kyrie, especially the last post-game presser I heard from him was he was asked, hey, you know, with KD now going to be out for extended period of time, has your view changed on the vaccine? First, Kyrie said, well, why are you asking? He said, well, everyone wants to know. And Kyrie goes, what do you mean everybody wants to know? He goes, bro, Kyrie, millions of people, millions of basketball fans who want to know, like, has your stance changed? Well, why do people care? Kyrie, come on, man. So then Kyrie makes this statement. This is the statement I got an issue with, though. He said, well, why is it that whenever the vaccine comes up, the folks bring in basketball into the conversation when it, regarding me? Basketball is only a small part of my life. Like I do other stuff outside of this. Hold on, bro. Hold on. Basketball is a small part of your life. That's the attitude I got an issue with. And I go back to a comment Bill Simmons made a few years ago when he was asked about who some of his favorite interviews have been on his podcast. And he said one of his worst interviews was Kyrie. And he said this, he said, Kyrie is one of those people who's so smart. He's too smart for his own good. He's so smart that he's dumb. And moments like that in the press conference I just mentioned are a clear indicator of those kind of. Yeah, no, I mean, we've always known that when it comes to public speaking, Kyrie does it. He, he, some people you can tell what he really wants to say. But how he says it gets really misconstrued. It, it's really open-ended and, and, you know, people run with it. But we also can't be surprised with that comment about, you know, basketball is a small part. We've known for a while that, like, this man could walk away from basketball anyway. I believe it. I believe yeah, it. We, so I'm not even Nets surprised by that. If the Nets didn't call him and offer, you know, the part-time thing again, then he would still not be playing. And then, I, I don't know, I think one, if they, either the game before or the game after the one Osa was talking about, this man picked up his phone. It was ringing. He just picked it up and told his wife, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I love you. I love you. No, I'll call you back. I'll call you back. And then got off the <laughs> phone and told the reporter, sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. Like, as if he's just sitting on a porch or some shit. Like, so, like, I do believe him when he says certain things. I just think that, like, I also agree with Osa in a sense, like, he knows that um, basketball, like, it's not the smallest part of it. It's not like just he just, you know, I'm just good at basketball. So it is what it is. Like, nah, you, you've been doing this your whole life to, to hoop on this level. You know what I'm saying? And even though I don't like certain questions these reporters ask, obviously there's people that care. If you don't want to reference the rest of the NBA or Twitter world or whatever, the average Nets fan wants you to play. Like, so you play for us. Like you, you, you know, you, you're supposed to be a Nets fan. Like he was a Nets fan growing up. So it, it, it impacted heavily on his decision to come back. So at the very least, you can address us and be like, but, you know, I know my Nets fans want me to play every game, but, you know, that's just not the situation right now. But to say, like, like why do people care? Like, I know why I care. I want my team to win a championship. <laughs> like, like, but, you know, even then, um, I'm not, I'm not a, like, anti-vaxxer, and 
I'm not opposed to Kyrie's stance and things like that. It, you know, it makes being a Nets fan more difficult, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. Totally understand that. Totally understand that. Um, so another topic we're going to discuss, we've, we've also touched upon this before. Over the last, like, let's say 13 plus games, this, this one individual has given us a 50-point performance, has given us a 40-point performance, and have given us multiple 30-point performances. And he goes by the name of Joel to process and beat. Gentlemen, is he the MVP favorite right now? I'm sticking to it. Hey, Brian, you've been consistent about it. He's too good. He's like uh, Hakeem in the, in the early 90s before the Rockets. Like, that's the form he's in right now. Like, right when he got back from the injury, like, that's where Embiid's at. And it's it's amazing. Jokic is at the same bar. That's the thing. Him and Jokic are, like, spar. I swear to God, they're watching each other's highlights and text messaging each other because they're, like, trying to one-up the other every other night. Like, I don't know if this is, like, a thing. Maybe they can confirm it. I don't know how. how freaking I, think, I think he's the favorite right now, for yeah. sure. If Philly even finishes top four in the East, he's got to win. Facts. I, I don't. You I don't agree with that. But I think well, he's the storyline. Simmons has been the biggest storyline in the Eastern Conference, pretty much for most of the year, outside of like outside of Kyrie. When the media jinxed Chicago before everybody got injured, <laughs> that's pretty much it. And I'm sorry for the Bulls fans out there, but like they jinxed you. So that's pretty much it. Like that's that's that that's why Embiid. I think it, the narrative fits for Embiid to win it. And I think with Giannis, like yeah, Giannis. Yeah, people might be they might be looking at yeah, Giannis might have better stats than the year before. That's that's cute, but like it's always about like it's it's always a culmination of things that leads up to those kind of votes. Embiid is a model of consistency. Um he has a lot of games reminiscent of sorry, a lot of moves reminiscent of a of a Hakeem. It's very beautiful to watch with a even better shot, um, from far at least, not not mid-range, but you know, like just he has a he has a good shot. Like he's not um it's not like folks are leaving him open or anything like that. If you look at his last 12 games, he's only scored under 30 points once. <laughs> like, like that's insane. Like he's only scored under 30 once in the last 12 games. He's averaging 28, 11, and four. And in the last month, he's been averaging pretty much those same numbers with an extra seven. So he's averaging like 34, 35 right now in, in these last three, four weeks. Highlighted by a 50 point 12 rebound performance against Orlando, taking away the shine from from Bamba, who had a career high. Um, he's playing defense just as much as he's always has, like averaging a full block and a full steal. He's been impressive. Like I said earlier, a model of consistency. He's definitely the MVP front runner to me, and which he'll probably remain in those conversations, barring, you know, hopefully he doesn't have any injury or, or major setbacks or anything like that. But he's the top runner right now for sure. And if Philly continues, like, if they get better, because Embiid's going to continue to put great performances. But if Philly gets a little bit better, like, I think they're going to start seeing him running away with things with um, KD injured, Steph slumping. Ja is, you know, Ja's amazing, but he's a young guy. I don't know how much people expect him to do for a full length of a season. People, people might start but, buying into those young players, those role players around them, because you know what? People are also going to mention, well, the Memphis Grizzlies, well, like what eight and two when he was nah, out. but like, you no, nah, but you gotta like you gotta kind of look at certain things when you're giving somebody an MVP nod. You do have to look at their teammates sometimes. Like it, it, it depends. It's circumstantial. It depends on the year. It depends on other and MVP candidates. So you know, like if other MVP candidates also have great teammates, then you know you may start looking at different 
other things, but um, right. it'll it'll be looked at with Ja because, um, like you said, they have the narratives that they do have a winning record when he's out as well as when he's playing, and with the emergence of like players like Desmond Bain and and JJJ having a better year, for example, you know, than you know right. past years and stuff. But like just going back to Embiid though, I think he's the clear MVP right now. I think he has a better case than Joker because of team success and and defense, not just team success. Um, like I said, he's averaging a full block and a full steal, a little over both. So, you know, he's active. He's active on both ends and he wants to win. And just like Joe, he's playing without his, his, basically his, his second, his second option, his co-star, the second top guy on that team, you know, before the season, or if you're looking at it on paper, it's Ben Simmons. And with Denver, you'd probably say that's Jamal Murray. So they're in, you know, similar situations and no like excuse to say, Oh, one, one, one's playing in a stronger conference or whatever like they're both conferences are pretty strong right now so right and yeah just one sidebar that both both teams third best player ironically is a tweener three four aaron gordon and tobias harris (laughs) so like they're they're kind of in a similar situation here yeah it's like it's like you that that spider-man meme with the with the duplicates that's literally like them right now but honestly like philly philly needs to like uh, now the ben simmons I saw in the athletic actually one uh, one Philadelphia headline here actually mm-hmm. is that Simmons and Harden and that's the deal that I guess you know oh, I was ah uh, Brian I was just stole reading it. that on the athletic and you know what Jabari I'll let you comment first honestly <laughs> because I don't even I I I read the first paragraph and I'm like, I'm done with this bullshit I'm not I'm not buying into this you know this was the same media that said that Kyrie and Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant were all going to the Knicks. <laughs> and that the Knicks were going to dump the whole roster just for them three to join. I'm like, no, nah, I'm done. I'm not reading anything from Frank. Eisen. Listen, I just, I just saw the headline. I just saw the headline and I, I kind of know what, what they're thinking, you know, with Darren Murray being over there in Philadelphia, it's been, you know, reported on, on and off this whole season that he has interest in Harden and that. Um, and they'll point to Harden not extending his contract earlier before the season, whatever. But the, the thing with Harden not extending, and I'll keep it short on this. At the end of the day, he gets more money. If he comes back to the Nets, he gets more money by not extending before the season and signing a new contract at the end of the season. Their hopes is that Harden has some interest in playing with Embiid or playing in a Maury system again or whatever it may seem like, and they can facilitate a sign and trade or something like that to get Ben Simmons here. Like at the end of the day, we're not Harden's not leaving Brooklyn for nothing. And Right. Honestly, I'm not just speaking as a Nets fan. I don't know why you leave playing with KD and even part-time to play Kyrie for Doc Rivers to go play for Doc Rivers and Doc Rivers. And, and a great center, like <laughs> an all-time great center. But like that's it. I don't know. Like Harden has Dang. had his most success with with mobile centers that catch lobs. Like NBA ain't running no foot to catch your lob for you to get an assist. Like Rim I don't runners. know. <laughs> Philly needs to just bite the bullet and move him. And go get like two or three other players to complement the team they have. Just go for gold now. This is the best shot you have in the Eastern Conference right now. Like that's it. There's no better year for them. KD's gonna be out until probably March. I actually, if I'm Brooklyn, I keep him out till St. Patty's Day. All right, when they have the St. Patty's Day in South Boston, then you bring Kevin Durant back in Brooklyn. All right, and then I'm not even joking. By the way, that's a good time to bring him back right before the playoffs. And then you have Milwaukee. Milwaukee's going to coast because they're going to be like, well, we'd rather preserve ourselves to the playoffs. Miami's going to coast because, I mean, let's be honest, Jimmy Butler is not going to give a shit about a regular season game until April, maybe. And even that right now, he's he's kind of 
showing out now so he can ease there are it's a pat riley plan they always triple double against the lakers last night exactly you know he'll show up in the big games it's like a chicago bulls team so tnt bulls right um and then and never mind the fact like boston come on come on we're not even boston can't defend indeed you know chicago let's see how chicago actually can do chicago can't defend indeed uh i I, i'm not even going to talk about bottom half teams in the east because indeed's going to eat them alive like, the only team that really is going to challenge them is if, like, okay, if you put Giannis in Embiid, if Milwaukee wanted to be ambitious, sure. And then Miami, I mean, if Bam's healthy, sure. That's that's a fun matchup. You said, I mean, like, like, like Giannis as in, like, Giannis guarding Embiid? <laughs> Listen, for length, for length, Listen, on the no, high no, post? Listen, no, 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 no. Like, yeah. if it's a one-on-one, like, in Rucker Park, yeah, sure, Giannis right, is going to guard right, Embiid. Right, right, right. But if they want Giannis to, like, take them back to another championship he's not, <laughs> even if they win that series he's not coming out of that series um a that guy that's coming, no, out, that whole he's coming out in a wheelchair no that's like, what i mean oh, Trust this me, is the like, best you, you sign boogie back on a 10 day or, or <laughs> yeah you let boogie have find Brooke lopez or something and let hey, him this get beat up. This, this, day before i do i'm gonna be pissed right that's yeah, why you, they need yeah, to... this likely was gonna happen though so i'm gonna be real with you the market is probably getting another 10 day before you do I'm, I'm right. just after this performance. Yeah, he already got it. Right, right, right. Speaking of, speaking of, hold up. Yeah, he did get a 10. It was they need to call Nuggets. Sacramento, Philly. Um, they need to Sacramento needs help. Direction. This whole Embiid Jokic situation gives me real Elijah one Patrick Ewing vibes. From like there was that time in the early 90s where you didn't know who was who because they were both putting up them big, them big numbers. I've said it. On this program, Osa and Abe, uh, going back, you know, to the the inception of of these programs, I've always been a believer that Philly's best shot to win was with Embiid instead of with Simmons. Same thing. Like Embiid is going to do what Embiid's going to do. He's that guy. Um, I'm impressed to see how he bounced back, especially after losing to the Raptors. What was that? A, three seasons ago on that miraculous. The, the hand, the finger of God tipped that ball in for Kawhi. And this man in beats running down the tunnel crying. I did, I was like, man, is this man going to bounce back? That might have been. Back. And that might have been the most talented Philadelphia team that they've ever that had. Team was, on let's paper. remember. Okay. Simmons and B. Butler. Butler. And Tobias, Tobias Harris. Harris was on that team. Like, what? JJ. Yeah. JJ was the sniper on that yeah, team. Yeah. Like, that they team. They had TJ McConnell as a backup point still. That's true. So I say this, though. Nah, I, I, I won't dive into that. But I will say this, though, with Embiid, and, and I've dubbed Embiid the alpha African for this. That game against the Magic? <laughs> Mo Bamba was playing the game of his life. I don't think he ever played a game in AAU or in college or in high school that rivaled that game. My man was six for seven for three in the first half. 28 points in the first half. And B comes out and puts a 50 points in 27 minutes, like an efficient 50 points in 27 minutes. And folks will say, well, it's against Orlando. No, 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 no. Mo Bamba's playing the game of his career, game of his life. And B is on a different level right now. If he can carry this team, I'm with Brian, carry them to a fourth, to a top four seed. I think the MVP is a lock for him. And that's why they I asked the question. I think I they asked just need Buddy Healed. They week. get Buddy Healed and Marvin Bagley. Just they just need a sniper. Do it. No, they just, they need a just legit those two need sniper. to come back. Yeah. yeah, they need a legit sniper. They get a legit sniper, they're good to go. But I, if MB can stay healthy, and I think he's going to find a way to do it. His health has been better of late. You can tell he's you know he's trimmed up a little bit. If he stays healthy, 
watch out y'all. Giannis, y'all better say a prayer for Giannis. The same way I asked, you know, the crew to say a prayer for the DeRozan family after that uh, poster that Jalen Suggs put DeMar DeRozan nice, on last night. Nice. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, hey, we've waited. We've waited quite a long time for a Jalen Sugg signing this season. That's for sure. Man, the last week man, he's played well. I was about to put out. I was about to put out an APB on. I ain't seen that. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of APBs, um, we have another person to talk about. But before we do so, here's a word from our sponsor. You want tickets to the NBA, NFL, or MLB game? Download the Mega Seats app. There's no service fees, no shipping fees, and just use the code SSAW Network at checkout for a 10% discount. Don't miss out. And welcome back to this audio episode of Full Court Press. Shout out to Mega Seats. Um, y'all go download the app for real, for real, especially in places where you can still go to games. Playoffs are here, so try to get you a discount. Before we uh, took that break, I mentioned an APB, and um, it's been on a player that has just made their return albeit in a loss, and that is one Anthony Davis and uh, former... Who? <laughs> Anthony Davis is back. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts on his return, especially the expectations that we as fans have and that the Lakers probably have for, for AD? I'll keep it short. I mean, I don't know how much Anthony Davis really... He's not going to save them. I mean, he couldn't save the Pelicans. I mean, let's start there. I mean, LeBron, I'm being harsh, but, like, that's just the real. Like, this dude is, is broken down every year, and it's always around January he gets hurt, too. I noticed that. That's a trend. He doesn't like wintertime. So, <laughs> and then you get back around the All-Star break, and I don't know what the hell the deal is with the Lakers. Like, again, I don't know. He's going to help them on the offensive end, that's for sure. But, like, how is that going to help the Lakers facilitate Brian, the basketball? Let me help you. Here's the problem with the Lakers. They suck. That's it. I mean, they literally, there's no structure. And how is a tweener power forward who doesn't want to play center, by the way, but like has to play center out of necessity, but doesn't want to play center. So like, how is that going to help the Lakers? I mean, he's a superstar player. That's fantastic. He's going to put up numbers every night, but down the stretch, how, how are the Lakers going to be good enough to win against teams like Phoenix teams like, uh, 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 you know, Let's let's start with Phoenix and the Warriors because that's most likely going to be their playoff matchup. That's it at this point. There's no hope for six seed. Well, look, if I'm looking at the separation between the eighth seed, realistically, the Lakers, I don't care how hopeful we get in here, they cannot get like they're not overtaking Utah in, in the duration of this season. Utah is currently the fourth seed. So I'm pretty much saying that I think that they they can cap at or max out at a five seed, which is currently occupied by Dallas, who's um, seven games above 500, 27 and 20, which I don't think that's too possible either. So it, it's more looking six, like, six, it's more looking like the sticks. It's more looking like the six seed, right? And even Memphis would run them out of the building. Yeah, well, Memphis for sure would run them out the building. But to get back to the question with AD, like what can he do for the Lakers struggles or what can he do for their situation? Um, I, I'll be like, I'll, I'll start with, I guess, the, the upside. Like, AD is going to give you, at a minimum, what, 15? But on average, he's giving you 20-something a night, um, depending on which AD shows up. And the Lakers' defense automatically changes as a result of AD. Um, I don't know if this contributes to his injuries or what, but he's a 
defensively, he's not overrated. Um, he's 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 really good on whether it's the perimeter, the post, whatever. He's not overrated defensively. So if they can get back an AD that's healthy, um, obviously I, I think they could make a push for the fifth seed. My my thing is though, I don't see them getting back an AD that's healthy. Nothing's pointing to the time that he's been away. Um, just changing him or changing the way his body works. Like, for example, he was supposed to make his debut um, in, in their last game and he wasn't cleared like last minute. That's not a good sign for somebody that's, you know, that wasn't playing for four or five weeks and, and didn't have any kind of surgery or anything like that. Like the Lakers season, I can't say it's over because they'll be in the playoffs to some kind of capacity. I don't see them falling that far, but they don't match up well against certain teams. The way LeBron plays, he may look like he's, I guess, holding a load offensively or 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 putting a lot on his back. But like he he's not as active and and as mobile as he used to be. Westbrook's a different animal, and in, in in a in the worst way that I can like say like someone's a different animal. Like we used to describe Westbrook as a different animal in an affectionate way or in a like wow he has so much hustle or this and that. I was even watching a OKC game. Um, when they still had the big three earlier, just popped up on YouTube. And like his play style hasn't changed that much, but I don't know what he's, makes he's him definitely break. a step slower than he, he used yeah, to. Well, be. yeah, well, with, yeah. Without even considering the speed, like if I'm looking at like his mid range pull up, for example, like I've never seen this guy brick and, and hit so much different areas of the hoop that's not the rim like on mid-range pull-ups like yeah he's never been a great shooter but it's something else that's going on I don't think it's an injury either but you know we can't really speculate too long on that but as far as I mean, Anthony Davis coming back I, I expect the Lakers defense to get better um that's about it he wasn't he was in a slump uh, as far as shooting goes he was in a slump all year they so, were 16 and 14 when he went down when he collided with Jared Vanderbilt so basically, and, and the athletic actually did the whole thing with um, him being like the last hope for the season. But like, I don't know, like, even if he plays, they're expected to play him between 25 and 30 minutes a night, probably for at least a two week stretch, most likely. And that may be fine. But like, what if you need him in the third quarter when LeBron's in foul trouble or like if Westbrook's in foul trouble? And then that's the, this is where I think this it, it's going to be an issue. Right. And look at where the Celtics were when they had Brown out. They had Smart out, and they had Tatum out. And right now, and keep in mind, both teams have the same record, but why do people feel a lot better about the Celtics than the Lakers? That's you all said, I'm saying. You said, why do people feel a lot better about the Celtics than the Lakers? Yeah, even with the Lakers having LeBron James, a man who single-handedly brought well, I mean, well, I, I, teams to I, I the finals. Look, oh, if you look, if you look at everyone I mean. after LeBron James, right, you're looking right. at AD, he's right. what, 30? Injury prone, right? Westbrook. Right. 30 i don't know two i don't even yeah care. yeah and he's not disaster, he's, he's, he's right. not good and then after after them it's what monk none um an old ariza and old dwight dj right. not gonna play again probably ever um right uh, you got wayne ellington like I, i'm not even looking at this roster like it's it's a bunch it's like way too many role players did we mention mellow Oh, and Melo and, and carmelo and Anthony, hasn't you know. really done anything since november for them really honestly and it's been that way and i love Melo. And I, if you looked at his last season, his last few seasons, like you, you didn't have the highest of expectations. Like I always wanted to see Melo and LeBron play, but I didn't expect it would be like this or this no. late, you know, in their careers. So, like, I, when you look I think at the, the Celtics age. now, like their struggles were, you know, there was a lot of blame going towards Udoka, 
There was a lot of looking at Tatum's slumps. It was a lot of, okay, these guys are playing well. These guys isn't JB and Tatum, but their assist to turnover ratio is, is really off. They're not passing the ball a lot. It's a lot of things you can look at, but what doesn't change is they're young. They play defense, like on an individual level, at least like JB plays defense, Tatum plays defense, smart plays defense. Um, they, they're, they're deeper. You know, I don't even know why they're in the same conversation outside of they both have had struggles, but every struggle isn't the same thing, you know? No, I mean, I, 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 I totally understand. And I hate that. the but Celtics. I mean, listen, and, I, and I'm with you on that, and I understand that. But Barry, I'm we saying, don't like we I'm gonna cut that part out. We don't need that part. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm just Let being me reiterate for real. that Jabari hates the Celtics. This is why I don't have a contract. This is exactly why I don't have a contract. <laughs> These Celtics haters keep interrupting you. No, but I mean, and, and then you look at honestly, right? And you look at the Lakers and the other teams in the West. And yeah, they might, and they already went through the soft part of their schedule. Their schedule is only gonna get worse. Yep. Right. I think they have the third hardest schedule in the NBA after the All-Star break. And that's when Teams got to get healthy and you got to start playing your best basketball in March. So that way in April, you can slide into the playoffs with some momentum. And maybe just maybe if Anthony Davis were to stay healthy the rest of the season, that might be the Lakers only hope to maybe maintain the record. They were 16 and 14 when he went down. It's not like they were playing good with him in the lineup beforehand either. In my opinion, I think age is just a big thing. You you can look at that, that Celtics team. And of course, we know young core Tatum, brown and for those folks who keep saying that those that they need to break those two up too early you need to you smoking the same stuff that frank isola smoked like you yeah. you've, you've you've lost your mind okay that, you're not going to get core, equal value for either of those guys right now not at all That's and it. those two because of the the roles that they play they're able to complement in a way both on any given night could put up a triple double both on any given night i mean tatum dropped 50 last night before. easy Right, Jalen Brown was at, playing his role, still doing his thing. Right, both can 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 almost be a role player to the other on any given night. When I look at, for example, Philly, the Philly situation with Embiid and Simmons, there was always questions there from the jump, because and particularly primarily because of Simmons' inability to shoot from outside. It is what it is. When I look at the Celtics team, their youth is what gives I think people hope when looking at them versus that Lakers team, like everyone said from Jump Street borderline retirement home from the jump. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Anthony Davis getting back in the mix of things. His health is always going to be a concern. He's fragile. His attitude towards playing the five has always been problematic, in my opinion. Outside of maybe a couple more blocks a game that he'll add to the team, the Lakers are 7-10 and 10 without him after being 16-14 and 14 with him. Not that big of a change or a difference per se. And he'll get, he'll take some, some minutes off of LeBron plate. LeBron will be able to get slightly a little more rest. Like, I mean, it's not like really you can a, run the offense through Davis. No, right? you can't run the offense. I mean, through, at least Davis the Celtics can run an offense through Horford for, uh, with a second unit. I mean, at least the Celtics have that too. I mean, that's another thing too. You can run an offense through Horford. You can't run an offense through Davis because Davis doesn't really, he, like the other centers we mentioned on this episode, Davis isn't that kind of player, and that's okay. And he's and I guess we could say the same with Towns too. They're not that kind of player, and that's okay. But you have to find ways to get those guys the ball so that way they're not having to post up every single play, which is a problem with Davis because outside of posting up and then high post with that little, you know, that little pump fake, and then he does that little sidestep dribble like he can actually handle thing. the ball like a point guard. But he make he makes wow. that shot. Yeah. Like again, that's his only move 
And what, what if he can't go to his right? Then he's kind of screwed, right? Because, I mean, he doesn't go as good yeah. to his left. Everyone knows that. Right. So right. that's just another – that's just a whole other issue for another day for the Lakers. But I think they need to do is they need to – the Lakers, they need more than just a trade. They need, like, to figure out chemistry-wise what the hell their rotation is, who's playing where, and who the hell's defending who. And that's it. And I, I think the big lie has been – and I don't mean to go in on this player again, but I think the lie has been, well, as long as you got LeBron, we'll figure it out. Because Ed, LeBron could play with anyone because Historically, he's Historically, it's Historically, he made it work. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. I wouldn't say anyone. It's a specific kind of player, though. And the Lakers, as constructed, technically should have fit those qualifications, right? A Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, like shooters all around. But Ariza. as we all know, even a Russell Westbrook, right? You need a he needs a solid guard to play next to him. But Russ ain't Kyrie. <laughs> He's just not. Uh, Russ is not D Wade. He's just not. So, like you said, that chemistry piece is massive. I think I will back down off of what I said earlier this season about the Lakers possibly needing to trade LeBron. I will still stick in this order of trade, of, of prioritization of possible trade partners. Westbrook, AD, then LeBron. The Lakers, as we know, are going for gold, but I don't think like I think it was uh, Abe alluded to maybe an episode or two ago. I don't think playing like the Chicago Cubs, right? Let's let's sacrifice our souls <laughs> to win a title is worth it for these Lakers. AD, it was a great run, but if we got to trade you, you got to go. Russ, I'm glad you're not turning over the ball as much, but if you got to go, you got to go. This Laker team, I will suffer in the valley of despair for the moment with them. Um, and I will I will endure the abuse from you Celtics fans. It is what it is. And I think Jabari, to answer your question, and I'm done. The reason, the only reason why the Lakers and Celtics are being mentioned in the same breath and in the same conversation is because these are two, the historically, two of the historically great franchises, right? Most titles, period, that are currently struggling. Now, the struggles may be different, but you know how people like to throw generalizations and storylines together for no reason. I don't like them. I don't buy them. I think it's terrible. I think it, I think it paints a false, uh, a false comparison because I'm not really that excited to watch the Lakers and the Celtics play. I just, saw, I just saw something crazy on Twitter. Apparently, the Lakers have been calling teams and seeing what Kendrick Nunn, Taylor Horton, Tucker, and a first-round pick can get them, and they're getting no calls back. No calls. They call, no calls They back. threw that one at the Pistons. They threw that at the Pistons for Jeremy Grant. I wouldn't even give that up for Jeremy Grant. I wouldn't even That's take crazy. that from the Pistons. I wouldn't even take that no. from the Pistons. No, no way. No. No. Maybe the, call the Magic and see if they'll give you maybe somebody. <laughs> they got somebody give me, on that give roster. Me, give me baby Wagner. Give me baby Wagner. Keep in mind, they gave up Fournier, Gordon, and Vucevic for pennies on the dollar 12 months ago. So the Magic are generous. They, they, they got that Walt Disney World charm, you know. That's what I'm saying. The uh, <laughs> the uh, what's the the Amway family? They're they're nice people. Can I say? Yeah, they're, they're nice people. Just that team is lack of direction. So, gentlemen, as we get ready to head up out of here, it, we would be remiss not to discuss these two special performances we saw over the weekend. One of which was already mentioned: our boy Tatum 
uh, dropping 61. But, oh, my goodness. We have to make a trip to uh, to women's college basketball real quick. Ioka Lee of Kansas State versus the number 14 Oklahoma. Gentlemen, I didn't catch this game live. I, I saw the highlights. And um, Ioka Lee in the paint dropped 61. Oklahoma, as a team, scores 65. Y'all, <laughs> y'all, <laughs> y'all, <laughs> y'all. She went in. And keep Bro. in mind, she was she's actually the second favorite right now for Big Twelve Women's Player of the Year. And Oklahoma was a pick was a preseason pick to win the Big Twelve Women's Division. So this is all just a big chain of events. And Ioka Lee just like smashed their dreams. I don't know how you bounce back from that if you're Oklahoma. Like. I mean, Kansas State's not a bad squad. I think they got 14 wins. So, I mean, they're probably a top 40 team at worst, maybe a top 35 squad. But Ioka Lee put the team on her back that day. In the Big 12, when it comes to men's and women's college basketball, deep conferences right now, especially yeah. the Big 12 men's, some good-ass basketball being played. Yeah, Kansas State, the, Kansas State is currently 5-2 and two in the Big 12. Um, that was a big win uh, that they had the other night. What were your your impressions, Osan and uh, Jabari, with Ioka Lee's performance? And then you know we'll discuss my my guy Tatum showing up. Wow. Well, Ioka Lee, six six center. She's a junior. I think the thing that I was frustrated with, not to take anything away from her performance, was the lack of adjustment by Ohio. I mean, Ohio, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. You are a top twenty five team. And you make no adjustment to this girl who's torching you. And then from an embarrassment standpoint, there's she easily could have got 70. Your coach took her out of the game. You easily almost got outscored by one player. Not to take anything away from before. She's a 25 and 10 player. That's what she's averaging this season. And she's shown up big mm-hmm. against the against uh, ranked opponents, against Iowa State. I think she dropped 38 and 13. Uh, the girl can play. However, y'all got to at least make it hard on her. She, yeah. she looked like she was playing against the JV squad. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Listen, Cheryl Miller out there. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, they, the whole team, all her teammates, they recognized from jump that Oklahoma state couldn't defend her. She fronted whoever drew her assignment. She dominated like with an array of back to back, back to the basket moves. <laughs> she looked like, Oh, she looks like what you want your 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 center to look like. Um, didn't didn't re- even regardless. attempt a three pointer. Didn't, didn't attempt, attempt any a shot any outside of fourteen feet. Listen, a, an efficient array of moves. Like it, like it, it is. You see sixty one point performances. Um, and it's a lot of jump shots involved. It's a lot of threes involved. And and you're impressed because it's it's not to take away from jumpers. They they're beautiful to see, but. To see 61 coming straight out the post and a few free throws, come on, 61 points, 12 rebounds, 76% shooting, three blocks of steal. She's playing defense. Um, I, it, was, it was beautiful to watch her. Um, if, if I had a pick and she was available, I'm taking her immediately. <laughs> I even watched her, like, as she's running back up the floor. She, she's mobile. She's, she's active. She's not, like a slow center or anything like that. Um, I said what I said, she shot 70 something, 76%, 23 out of 30 shooting. 
to set the record in in B1 women's basketball history also. So like I, I'm very happy for her, her team, her family, like it, very impressive feat. And I don't know who trained her. I'm going to be doing more research into her, but I just want to know more about her. Just like loving basketball the way I do. Like I just right. love her game. Like she's, she's a cool watch. Bro, yeah, this Oklahoma, won't be the last we hear of her though. Not at all. Yeah, There'll be more. Absolutely. And Oklahoma's uh, just lack of help defense was the well there, there have been some big blowouts <laughs> oh wait 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 I, I didn't even say it because osa got into it osa got into it and we were talking a, a little bit about this before mm-hmm. before we started recording but like they didn't make any adjustments you know osa you know he elaborated onto that but they didn't make no adjustments like and, and when you guys listen and when you guys are listening when you're watching this back whether it's the highlights or you go back and watch that full game like that team I don't know. It's like they were in on it or something like they I have some questions for that coach, to say the least. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say that one college before we go. Tatum. There have been a couple of teams that have been ranked this year, especially between like the 10 and 20 range that have been blown the doors on it. Like Providence got the doors blown off by Marquette. Uh, and then never mind Xavier. Xavier got their doors blown off by Seton Hall. So like there have been teams that have just been taking care of each other night in and night out. And sometimes when you play conference and you're used to playing teams, especially in a team with upperclassmen, like Kansas State and Oklahoma both have a lot of upperclassmen, there might be a little bit of rivalry there. I don't know. You might have to look back at the last couple of matchups because it gets a little gritty there. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, you know, let's let's close it on Tatum dropping 60, dropping his, 50, his points. 51 in D.C., man. 50, 51. Yeah, I'm surprised the Wizards. extra points. I'm proud of the Wizards fans because their past beef with the Celtics is over, right? They had their little beef with us for a while. That was John Wall. That was that was a whole <laughs> different different era of the Wizards. Right. So, I'm just throwing that out there because those were fun times. Look, I just want to say, bring back that beef. I want that beef. Bring it back. Rare. No. It's Bloody. Just, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, I will say this. Look, I'm happy to see. Tatum go off like he did because we know he's capable of this. It's why, for me, I've just been – not only do I say that the Celtics will not hurt me or stress me out in 2022, but it's why I'm just being patient. Because when we have consistency, if we get this performance – or it's not even just this performance. We know he can shoot like this and he's efficient and the team runs well, it works. And for me, the team runs well when you have Time Lord and Marcus Smart playing. Because those two yesterday, not taken away from Tatum's stellar shooting performance, because he was scoring from everywhere, those two helped make the team run. Marcus Smart with the extra passes. Marcus Smart playing that gritty perimeter defense. Time Lord getting, getting the rebounds. Time Lord getting blocks. Time Lord making that extra pass, too. Mm-hmm. Those two have become essential cogs that help make this team run better. It allows Tatum and Brown to do what they do. And we know Tatum can do this on a consistent basis. He, at the moment right now, he is second in the league in total points scored this season. What an opportunity to be first because we faced the Kings. Look, Tatum, congratulations. I'm happy for you. You are now the uh, second Celtics player ever to have uh, multiple um, 40 plus, 50 plus games in your career behind Larry Bird. That's that's a great, great 
arena. Great company to keep. I find it scary that keep Peterson it had a 50-point game for the Celtics. Yo, it, I find it scary. he had a few. He's had three 45-point games. I looked it up. Yeah, I find I it scary Jim that, like, like, a lot of, uh, for the Celtics, as rich of a history as we have, as, as rich as a franchise as we are, mm-hmm. that really, when it comes to scoring feats, aside from what right. Tatum has been doing for us, you always hear, like, not since Larry Bird. And I'm like, bro, you look at many other franchises, they have more recent people. <laughs> right, right, right. In this if century. If the Celtics had kept Joe Johnson, he would have had a couple. But Granted, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown had a game a couple weeks ago where he had a, a stat line that only Reggie Lewis had for the Celtics. Reggie mm-hmm. Lewis and JoJo Whitehead, which was 20 points, five rebounds, five assists, but he did not miss more than five shots, and he also had two steals and two blocks. Like, Oh, that's the, that's like, the kind of shit like that. I, if you're compared to JoJo White and Reggie Lewis, first of all, you're my kind of basketball player. Okay. That's the kind of guys I show up. I like two way guys, but Tatum, honestly, taking over kind of the point guard. I, I heard Mike Gorman talk about it. Uh, the longtime Celtics broadcaster. And actually t- he liked the idea of Tatum taking over the facilitating point guard role. Cause he goes, Tatum goes, you know what? Every time you see him in practice, he would always try to copy Hayward and the, and the ball handling skills that Hayward and Kyrie would do. And Tatum was like on par with those guys a lot of the, a lot of those days, and you could see the ball handle for Tatum has completely changed. Brown couldn't even drive to the basket as a rookie; he would give me a heart attack. So between those two guys and Robert Williams as well, working with Al Horford and Ennis Cantor for half a season has done him wonders. Robert Williams, because you know what, he looks like he's about to hit the next step in the next like twelve to eighteen months. He's about to hit like another hiatus, where he might be a fringe All Star big in the next twelve to eighteen months. I mean, right now he's. Defensive player of the year, like, worthy of the conversation. But the next step is there. And I wonder, it, it, when, you watch him, when you watch him at Texas A&M to now, it's like you see the, the explosiveness around the basket is there. The rebounding's there. The defensive awareness has definitely improved, but the offensive awareness is the biggest difference. And keep in mind, he played for Billy Gillespie. It's not like his scheme is the easiest of things. He plays a lot more of that 2-3 offense. True. And it's really built more to break a 2-3 zone, which ironically a lot of teams in the Big 12 were teams that were bigger, more physical teams at the time. So that was a different style. But that it's just the biggest adjustment he's made, literally, is being able to go out to 15, 18 feet and be able to handle the ball and pass the ball there. And that's what makes those guys, even Clint Capella too, Clint Capella's made the same improvement. That's what makes those centers so freaking good. That's what makes this era of basketball so exciting because we never had this to the same volume before. You know, everyone found Brad Miller. I think with Time Lord, you know, I think with Time Lord, if you give him a jumper, he's going to be what the Pacers were hoping Miles Turner would have been. Honestly, what Brad Miller was minus a better, maybe plus the ball handling ability. I mean, this is why everyone who played 2K or NBA Live in the 2000s, that's why Brad Miller was your five. One, he was was a cap-friendly contract. And two, he can hit threes. And let's be honest, that dude could punch through a wall. If he needed to for a rebound, mm-hmm. so I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to get back to Tatum, you know, after a little slump, like a small slump, not nothing crazy, he couldn't miss against Washington. Like thirty-one and a half, I watched him shoot it well, like shoot over people, not just wide open, but drive it well. And and I saw like I, I at a point I was counting the amount of defenders that either Washington sent at him or switched on to him. Cause I'm not sure if they play like a switch heavy defense also, but 
he scored on Beal, he scored on KCP, he scored on Rui Hachu, however. <laughs> he scored on Denny, he scored on Gafford, he even scored on Thomas Bryant, who just came back um like two weeks ago, a week ago. Like he got a piece of every wizard and scored not just a piece, but but scored on them. It was a definitely an impressive performance. He did most of most of his damage from from shots just from shooting um nine threes not out of 14 threes for 64 percent and that's also the same exact percentage he shot from the field 64.3 percent 18 out of 28 only on six free throws seven assists 10 rebounds so a little bit of distributing rebounding running the floor um no defensive stats but it wasn't really necessary against Washington that night because they couldn't make a shot no one no one on that team was making anything um Definitely impressed with Tatum's performance, but it's not something that I look at and I'm like, wow, because I, when I think of Tatum and to a lesser extent, JV, but when I think of Tatum offensively, um, the sky has always been the limit for him, you know? And just to circle back to when we were talking about Boston earlier, they're currently sitting at 500, 24 and 24, 24 yeah. at the eighth seed. When I think about Boston now and even before this season, I'm only willing to put four teams ahead of them. And, and those four teams are the four teams that are in the top four. I can't fully say before the season, I'll put in the Bulls before the Celtics, but you know, knowing what I know right now, the, the top four in the East is the only four teams I'm putting above Boston. So I think they, they should make a run. They, they've always been a team capable of playing defense. So when the offense is clicking and they're scary, and that to, playoff experience that those dudes have too is scary. It, you know what? And I'll underrated. say this for Miami too. And I'll say this for Miami because Adam Kyle Lowry is going to make them a tough seven seven game out. Nobody's going to want to play sure. Miami for in the sure. playoffs. That's for sure. Even without Lowry, you didn't want to play him. But but now with Lowry, that's a whole different situation. But like going back to it, like I I do have expectations that the Celtics, you know, go on a little run and take seeding from the Hornets. I think the Sixers take seeding from the Cavs, which means that would make the Cavs hold back to six. The Hornets would still be seven. I feel the the Celtics, in my opinion, should at the very least take seeding from the Hornets and the Cavs, and and place yourself maybe right behind the Sixers or or fight for that position. And also, um, I don't I don't see like struggles aside and early season struggles aside. I don't see any reason why you settle for where you are right now. I still think you still try to climb. The, the whole East is tight. The whole race is tight. And Tatum's healthy. JB's healthy. Everybody that you need, all your main pieces are healthy, um, with the exception of, I think, one big, who I'm forgetting his name right now. But like it, it's go time, in my opinion. Like, as a, as a non-Celtics fan, like, that's my expectations for them. So I feel the, the fans should have higher expectations. You now, know? keep in mind, the Celtics are going to be in the headlines around trade deadline time again this year with another trade exception. Hey, we can't get real <laughs> players, but we can get fake money. Yeah, so it's a $7 million trade exception, and that with Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson's con- – because it would probably have to be Jay Rich, unfortunately, as much as I like him on the team at times. Uh, between those three guys and Cantor, you probably have about $20 million to play with, maybe even 25. So actually somewhere between 18 and 22 actually is a, is a grand total. I, I had the calculator earlier, but I forget what it was. And that, that could, might be able to get you a nice expiring contract. Now I'll be honest. If I hope I'm the Clippers bottom out, I would be more than happy to have a Marcus Morris reunion in Boston. I would love it. I would welcome it. To be honest with you, his, 
his energy at the forward spot would be nice to have off the bench. But it would also kind of hurt Grant Williams, and I get that. But I like a Marcus Morris because he would be able to kind of spell Tatum and Brown a little bit, which is something that Richardson can do. But I also want to get a freaking point guard. Now, as I said before, I think I said a couple episodes ago, I would love to just get prime Andre Miller and pluck him into this team and be done with it. But I can't do that. So um, that that's oh that would be fun, wouldn't it? I, and, and I say prime Andre Miller because I really like the, the dude would average 10 assists. I, 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 he, he would have tennis or like prime Rondo. Easy. Prime Rondo would have oh, fun with this team, too. I know exactly who you guys can get. You about to say something about Russell Westbrook right now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for our new episode. Um, we are done. We're wrapping it up. Y'all make sure to tune in next, well, this week, later this week, Thursday, Friday, Friday. Tune in Friday for another new episode with um, more members. We're still waiting on, on one more OG to make an appearance. So hopefully that happens this week. But thank you for joining us, gentlemen. Well, thank you for coming together, gentlemen. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And we will see all of y'all soon. And uh, Boo, Ohio State. <laughs> Yikes. Hey, that's a bell. Oh. Oh.